Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au. Our message this morning comes from Proverbs 16, 1 to 4, and then also verse 9. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. And then verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. This is the word of the Lord. We're in our series on uh, Proverbs, Wisdom for for Living. So uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that, uh, that you are with us now by your Spirit, that you promised to give us your Holy Spirit when we follow Jesus. We thank you that we have your word that gives us, uh, that can guide and lead us. We thank you the Spirit can guide and lead us and help us to understand your word. And I want to pray this morning, Lord, that, that you would enable us to understand your word this morning, that you would help us to grasp really what it's saying and that we, you would encourage us to take the steps we need to in our lives. I pray that we would just not be people who hear that word and then go out and forget it, but we would be people who, who hear it and put it into action and that our lives would be changed. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, becoming a wise decision maker... That's the topic. Life's full of choices. Some, uh, some really bright boffin calculated that actually we make about 35,000 decisions every day. When I read that, I thought, well, no wonder I feel so tired. Now, not all of those decisions are complex, but some are, aren't they, throughout our lives? Should I go to university or should I get a job? If I choose university, which course should I study? If a job, what job is right for me? Did I miss the boat by not accepting that job? In our romantic life, there are other choices. Should I date this person? Is this the right person to marry? Was it right for me not to marry that person? Should we buy a house or should we rent? Should we live in this suburb or that suburb? How many children should we have? Should we even have children? When should I retire? Where should I retire to? When it comes to our destinies, people largely believe that there are 
only two options for determining them. Today, popular culture states that we are we're actually responsible for our destinies. And it's widely believed that the choices that we make will that we each make will largely determine our future. And therefore, the future, we believe, this is what popular culture says, we believe that the future, our future, our destiny, is really up to us and it's in our hands. That's what we're taught. That's what we largely believe. The other option, which some people believe in regard to experiencing their destiny, is to believe that, that their future is already set, that it's been written, and that uh, really our choices ultimately don't impact or affect our destiny. But that's not the common view here in 21st century Melbourne, although it's, uh, it's not, and it's not that popular, but it's actually common and still widely believed and held in other parts of the world. But even here in Melbourne, we sometimes go down that path when things are not working out. Some people who are unhappy or unsure about things that are happening in their lives want to find out, want some certainty about where it's heading. And so what do they do? Well, they look into things like astrology or palm reading or other sorts of things to try and uh, understand or hear what the future holds for them. And as we've seen on the many meter this morning, these views are not that distant from us. We, we mostly are followers of popular culture when it comes to our beliefs about our destinies. We largely believe that our future is, is not set and not written and that we make the future what we want through the choices that we make. That's, that's the way we act. But actually, neither of those ways are actually biblical. The fact is that both of them actually lead to disappointment and despair and sometimes disaster. See, if you believe popular culture, which says that your destiny is completely in your hands and that there is a direct connection between the choices you make and your destiny, then you'll find yourself anxious and fearful of making the wrong decisions, often suffering what they call now, it's even a term, decision paralysis. I get that at the supermarket as I'm standing there in front of all those cereals. Which one will I have? I'm always tempted for the big sugary one. In fact, Simeon's got some Nutri-Grain at the moment and I don't eat Nutri-Grain. I don't like Nutri-Grain. Well, actually I do. But I try to eat wheat bix But if there's a choice, I'll go for the Nutri-Grain. But if you believe that everything is fixed or pre-written and that your choices are not connected to your destiny, then you'll most likely find yourself to be quite passive or fatalistic or even cynical. So the Bible, though, however, prints another way of wisdom and another way of fulfilling our destiny. And so the Bible consistently says that your choices are important, but they don't completely determine your future because God is in control of our lives and the future. And so at first glance, you might think, well, that doesn't sound like true freedom to me. And it doesn't actually sound like it's going to lead to a positive future if God's got some sort of hand in it. Admittedly, if it's, it, it is difficult for us to get our heads around this idea that we can actually have total com and complete freedom to make the choices in life, 
which alter our destiny, while at the same time accepting that we're guided by a good and loving God to a destiny of his choosing. They seem to be things that are, are sort of in opposition to each other, don't they? To much of the world they do. So that's why we sort of either go for one or the other. But let me explain to you how this works so that we can actually become, and this is what Lord God wants us to become. He wants us to become people, he wants us to become people who make wise decisions, wise decision makers in our lives. Isn't that what you want? I don't know about you, I've made some pretty stupid decisions in my life. But I want to become a wiser person. So in Proverbs 16, 1 to 4, Solomon gives some sound advice on how to become a, a wise decision maker. And he holds in tension the two ideas that we find very difficult to hold together. And that is that we are uh, responsible for the plans and choices that we make, while at the same time God is fulfilling his purposes and plans for our lives. In Proverbs 16.3, Solomon says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Often we read this and we think, oh, well, that means I should just pray and ask God to bless my plans and make them succeed. But that's not what the proverb's saying. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. And so key in this verse is the word commit. And so commit means to put all your weight on something. And in this case, Solomon is saying, put our weight on the Lord in order to become a wise decision maker. But this is not what we want to do naturally, is it? And we've already sort of fessed up to that this morning in the Mentimeter. We, want to, we actually want to commit to ourselves. <laughs> we want to put the weight on ourselves, on our own decision-making abilities, because we think that we actually know what's best for our lives. But do we? How many times have you wanted something in your life or, or been certain of something? A must-have. Oh, I've got to have this, Lord. It could be a job. It could be a house. It could be a specific partner. But this choice or this plan that you've had, that you've prayed about, that you've committed to the Lord or committed to, to, to asking God to give you, it hasn't worked out. And you've felt let down. You've felt just downright disappointed. But then after some time, you come to realise that, uh, that what you wanted, that must have in your life, was not actually really what you needed. It wasn't actually the right thing. In fact, you come to realise that you dodged a bullet, perhaps, when that plan didn't work out, and that there was something better in store which you had not imagined and had not thought possible. You see, we think that we know what's best for us, don't we? And this is actually the big flaw of the destiny by your own personal choices model of destiny planning. And so actually Solomon gives us a reality check. In the very next verse, he tells us why, why we should commit everything we do to the Lord. When he, and he says this, he says that, all a person's ways seem pure to them. 
but motives are weighed by the Lord. Mm. And so the reason that all our choices and plans don't work out is because we're, we're often blinded by the moment, by our egos and by our lusts and by our other, uh, other motives. And these actually stop us actually seeing things as they actually really are. In his book, uh, uh, Let Your Life Speak, Parker Palmer, I love reading Parker Palmer, he's a really honest guy. Um, he tells a story, he tells about his, a time in his life when he was actually offered a job uh, to become the vice-chancellor of a, a small college in the United States. You know, a bit like the principal, quite a big, prestigious job. Now, Parker Palmer, he's a Quaker, and so he decided that he'd put into practice this old Quaker habit when big decisions are, need to be made. And this Quaker habit is to invite people who are close to you, people of faith, to come and sit with you for a few hours and ask you questions and, about why you want to do what you want to do, help you think it through. And so Parker Palmer says at first this meeting was going really well. In fact, he said that really he, he didn't really call them together to hear from them what they, you know, to hear from the Lord. He sort of called them together because he wanted to brag about this new job that he was being offered. But they started to ask him questions, as they do in this sort of, it's called a clearance committee, that's what they call it. And, it, and they began to ask him these sort of questions like, What's your vision for the college, Parker? And he'd, you know, ramble on a bit. What is its mission to the larger society? And how would you like to shape the college? And how would you handle decision-making and conflict? And it was all going very well. But then halfway through this sort of session, someone asked him a question that sounded really easy, but which he found really, really hard to answer. They asked him, what would you like most about becoming Vice-Chancellor? Parker Palmer said he thought about the question for about a minute or so before he began to answer. And then he began to say, well, I would not like having to give up my writing and my teaching. I would not like the politics of being a Vice-Chancellor. I would not like... And then the person who asked him the question stopped him and, and said to him, look... May I remind you that I asked you what you would like most about becoming Vice-Chancellor? And Park Palmer got a bit frustrated. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm getting to that, I'm getting to that. And he began to answer again. He said, I, well, I would not like to give up my summer holidays and I'd not like to wear a suit all the time and a tie. And once again, the questioner called him back to the answer, to the original question. And this time, Parker Palmer says that he was actually compelled to give the only honest answer that he had. And when he spoke it, he said he felt appalled, even vocalising it. And he said, well, I guess what I'd like most is getting my picture in the paper with the word vice-chancellor under it. And there was a long silence. And then, then the questioner said to him, well, Parker, can you think of an easier way to get your picture in the paper? 
And the spell was broken, you see. Next day, Parker Palmer said he rang the college and told them that he was withdrawing his application because he realised that it wasn't the right job for him because his motives were wrong. You see, all he wanted was to get his picture in the paper. And it wasn't until his friends helped him see that that he could see that his motives were, were out of place. And he says if he got that job, he would have been a terrible vice-chancellor. It would have been terrible for the college and it would have been terrible for him. So what about you? Think about how many, uh, about, about how many um, you must have plans and choices that you've made in your, in your teens or in your early 20s or even in your 30s or even in your, up to your 70s. How many of those choices and must-have things that you've prayed about and wanted that haven't worked out? I'm not sure about you, but many of the choices and plans that I made, in, in hindsight, they were motivated by the wrong things. And so with, with such a, a poor strike rate in decision-making due to our lack of honesty regarding our motives for wanting certain things, what sort of fool then would want to live in a world that is completely determined by their choices alone? Not me, that's for sure. You see, the Bible actually presents this very unique idea about human destiny. It says that we, are, we, we have a free will to choose and your choices are connected to your destiny. While at the same time, God is in complete control of your future. And so this means that, uh, that, that you have agency and are responsible for your choices. But at the same time, guess what? And this is the good news. You can relax in the knowledge that God is in control of your life and your destiny. And we can see the, this, uh, the Apostle Paul applying these two two. Principles that are in tension, in a, like a dialectical tension. We can see that Paul is applying these two things in his life, in the book of Acts. You see, at the end of the book of Acts, in chapter 27, it tells us that Paul is taken by ship to Rome, where he's going to stand trial for be, being a follower of Jesus and for calling Jesus Lord. And so the journey by ship was treacherous. And the reason it was treacherous was because they were starting this journey very late in the season. And so partway through the voyage, the ship is pelted by this hurricane force winds and it's blown off course for days on end. And so they struggled to keep the ship from breaking up. And so in the middle of this storm, okay, the storm's still raging, Paul stands up and he says, I guess he was holding on, because it was probably rocking a lot. And he says to everyone on board, don't lose courage because an angel of the Lord stood beside me last night and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. And so Paul, Paul's point here is that their journey has been predetermined by God. And so God is completely confident, even in the middle of a giant storm, Paul is completely confident, 
even in the middle of a giant storm, that, that God will bring his plan for him and the people who are with him on that ship to completion. We think, oh, yeah, well, it's great. It's great to be confident in God. But then the very next day and in the very, next chap- very same chapter, we're told that some of the sailors tried to abandon the ship in the lifeboat in an attempt to save their own lives. And this time Paul speaks up again and he says to the captain, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. In other words, the choices that we make now will determine whether we all live or whether we all die. And so the captain ordered the soldiers on the boat to cut the ropes to the lifeboats and they drifted away. And then we read that after 14 days of being driven by this big storm, finally they run ashore on the island of Malta and we hear that 276 people, soldiers and sailors and prisoners, all make it to shore. Not one of them is lost. So the question is, which of these determined their destiny? Was it God's plan for them? Or was it the decision not to let anyone leave the ship? Well, both are true. And Paul is completely relaxed in what he said on both occasions because he understood that he is free to make choices and yet he's under the care and guidance of a good and loving God at the very same time. And so how do we become people who make wise decisions? And so key, I want to come back here, key to understanding how we become wise decision makers is there expressed in that verse in, uh, in six, verse 16.3, which says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. And so what we need to do is we need to, uh, to succeed. To, uh, we, often we read it, as I've said, and think, well, we just need to uh, ask God to bless our plans. But that's not what it's saying. It's saying we need to commit to the Lord. And so Solomon is saying that the secret of making wise decisions is not treating God like our personal genie, which is God answer this prayer or answer that prayer, do this and do that, shazam and the way she goes. But it's trusting God unconditionally in every area of your life. That's how you become a wise person. And this is how Joseph became a wise decision maker. We know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament and how he was involved in saving Egypt and his own family from famine. But he didn't always start off a wise person like that. So how does he become a wise person? And so we we know that Joseph became a wise person because he trusted God unconditionally throughout his life, even when he was thrown into a pit when he was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers and when he was unjustly accused of sexually assaulting his master's wife and lay forgotten in a dungeon for forever. And so this is what Solomon says we need to do. We need to trust the Lord even when things don't seem to be going well. And this is what's, uh, what Solomon is saying here in 
Proverbs 16.4, he says, The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the, wor- even the wicked for a day of disaster. And so plans, they belong to each person. We're not programmed by God for good or for evil. But the beauty is that God is working out his own plan for his glory and for the good of his people, even when people do evil things to us. And when we suffer from harshness or the evil intentions of others, God is still at work. And this is what we see occurring in the life of Joseph. You see, Joseph, he came from a highly dysfunctional family. If you think your family is dysfunctional and you wonder where you're going in your family or what you can do, then here's a testimony of, of a person whose life who came from a highly dysfunctional family and God did an amazing thing in his life. You see, his father, Jacob, was a sneak and a liar. His father, Jacob, had a couple of wives and that wasn't the big issue. The issue was that he loved one more than the other and he favoured one more than the other and he favoured the children of one wife more than the other. And this had implications. It made one set of children proud and arrogant and shallow and the other bitterly, bitter and murderously angry, angry. And so Joseph, after his famous dream, when he indicated that he was going to rule over his family, which they didn't like, uh, they decided that they would, his brothers decided that was enough and they would take him and throw him into a pit. And then when they decided not to murder him, they decided they would just sell him instead into slavery. And as a slave, he was falsely accused of sexual assault and was subsequently thrown into another prison and left to rot. And so through these whole series of events, and this obviously takes many, many years of suffering, Joseph never stops trusting God. Joseph never stops being committed to trusting God. And so we never hear him curse God. We never hear him say, well, that's enough, God. I'm going to take things into my own hands. But just because he trusted God, it didn't mean that God then gave him exactly what he wanted. And this is what we often despair about, don't we? Why is this happening? Why didn't my plan work out? Why won't you give me what I want, Lord, since I've been so faithful in following you? But it is exactly, this is actually why, it's actually good news that God is not a genie who gives us exactly what we want when we want it. Because as we know, what we want is not not always best for us. And so God, who is all-knowing, has his own plans and he's working them out for his purposes and for his own glory. And also, and this is where we need to trust him, he's also working them out for your good. And so the wise person will recognise that when their own plans stall and when their own plans don't work out, they'll begin to trust and believe that there is a deeper plan of a good and loving God at work in their lives. And it might not be an immediate 
answer. It might not even be an answer that you see until the very end of your life. But we need to trust that God is working out his own plans for you and for us. And so it was only after many years of Joseph trusting God, of him committing himself to God through all those hard times that Joseph became actually a man of greatness that he actually dreamed about. You see, he saved Egypt and his family from starvation. That's a big deal, isn't it? He also was healed psychologically at the end of this story. And also his brothers are healed psychologically from the pain and trauma that they had experienced in being part of a dysfunctional family. You see, if Joseph's destiny was determined by purely human choices, then it would have ended in bitterness and in failure and in disaster. But Joseph's destiny, his brother's destiny, his father's destiny, even Egypt's destiny are not determined by their choices alone, are they? And we can thank God for that. And Solomon must have known this story when he wrote these Proverbs. And he must have known Joseph's famous statement at the very end of the story of Joseph's life when he reveals his true identity to his brothers. Because Proverbs 16.3 is all, almost a restatement of what Joseph says. God turned Joseph's situation around. He made something beautiful out of Joseph's tragic life. And with... Uh, and with his dysfunctional family, something that Joseph never could have imagined for himself or for them or even for Egypt. And so in the end, in, uh, in Joseph could say to his brothers, to their faces, in Genesis 50 verse 20, he says, you planned evil against me. And they did. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. You see, the poor choices, the wrong turns, the unfulfilled plans, even the miseries in our lives are never the final word. Do you believe that? You might find it hard to believe that today with what you're going through right now. But they're not the final word because we serve a good and loving and sovereign God. And this is why Paul can tell the Roman Christians who are actually suffering terrible persecution in their faith as, follow, as followers of Jesus. And he could tell them, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And again in 8, Romans 8.31, he could say, what then shall I say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And God is for you. Imagine if all the choices, plans and desires in your life had worked out as you had wanted them to. Where would you be today? I hang my head in gratitude. If all mine had been fulfilled, I, I doubt that I'd even be alive today. I doubt that I'd be standing here in front of you. 
I wouldn't be married to my lovely wife. I wouldn't have my two beautiful sons. Think about it for your own life. Would you be even sitting here today? Would you be married to the person you are married to? Would you have had the children that you have? Would you have come to know the Lord as you do? Would you have done the job that you do? Would you even be alive? It's not only about physical things. I you know that I'm a, a different person today emotionally and spiritually because God has been working out his plans in my life and because he has worked with my choices to make something beautiful of my life and I know that he's doing the same for each of you you see when Wendy when and I got married like many people we wanted to have our own kids but we couldn't have our own kids we had many failed pregnancies and it was really hard and really disappointing for both of us. We asked ourselves, where's God in that? We've done the right things. Committed ourselves to you, Lord. We're following you. Where's God? But then we went to Malawi and we saw something really amazing. <laughs> we were childless. And we found there were, there were many, many kids there who were what? Parentless. So many. It was a perfect match. And we were, we were childless, they were parentless. And so we made this choice to adopt. But as you know, having children is, is not easy, whether they're, they're ones you've produced biologically or adopted. There are many challenges, aren't there? Many unexpected curves and turns along the way. Physical, mental, social issues that you find. You don't know those things when you set out on that path. But what I know now in my own life is I know that the Lord knows all these things, you see. And what I can tell you this morning is that I am a different person because of this experience to what I would have been if I'd taken another route. I'm a softer person. I'm a gentler person, more tolerant, kinder person. Some of you might think, wow. He must have been terrible. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty hard. I think I was a harder person. God softened my heart through my experiences, experiences that I would not have chosen myself sometimes. Was this our plan? Mm, no. But I'm now convinced that God is working out his plans in our lives for his good and for his glory it is as Jeremiah the prophet says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Do you believe that, friends?
Friends, what are you relying on for your destiny? Are you relying on your own choices? Fear, are you feeling the weight of them on your body and on your mind? It's hard. Wow. Relying on your own choices all, al- all, all along? Is that really going to work out well for you? Or have you become fatalistic? Feeling desperate, feeling despair, cynical that somehow everything's written for you and you've got no agency. Well, today I want to encourage you that it's never too late to become a, a wise decision maker. But the key to being a wise decision maker is not found in your decision making skills. Don't bother with that course. It is in committing everything you do to the Lord each day. And so what does committing everything you do to the Lord actually look like today? Well, it means submitting every area of your life to God for him to guide you and lead you in. And so that means that there's actually nothing that's off limits. Solomon says, commit whatever you do. (laughs) Not some of what you do, but everything you do. It's not just churchy stuff. It's not just Sundays, it's work, it's leisure, it's intellectual life, it's politics, it's imagination, it's friendships, it's health, it's treatment of your body, it's dating, it's marriage, it's money, it's possessions, it's time, it's the relationship that you have with the people in this community, it's your personal identity, all these things and and more. And so to commit to the Lord, whatever you do means to intentionally go through each area of your life and to think through and be mindful about what trusting, obeying and submitting to God means in those things and be intentional about that regularly by bringing them up with the Lord, asking him to guide you and show you. And so as we think about the areas of our life, we can come to God in prayer And we can ask God for help and we can ask God to help us to be open to his spirit so that we can hear his voice on those areas and to hear him as he does speak to us. This is the way, walk in it. And we're also able to be people who are in the word of God, in the Bible often, because the Bible can tell us, it does tell us God's views on many things. In fact, it tells us Things that we don't then need to make choices about because they're already written down. God's views on some things are very clear and what we need to do is just get with the program and, tr- and do what, it sa- what he says and trust him for those things as well. And so as you commit whatever you do to the Lord, then you can be free. You can be free to make the decisions in your life trusting that God is guiding you and fulfilling his destiny in you. And that's what you want, isn't it? That's what you need. You need freedom and not anxiety in those things. And that's what God wants to give you. It means you can relax and you can actually enjoy the journey that God is leading you on. Even the rough bits, like Paul was. He was confident as the ship was, you know, rolling around in the storm, he was confident that God was taking him to his destiny. Are you confident about that this morning, friends? That God has a destiny that is good and pleasing and perfect for you? 
one that is, brings him glory, helps you flourish, and ultimately leads to your salvation. And if your plans and choices that you make along the way or that you hope for don't work out as you'd imagined, then you can also trust that God will use what has happened for a deeper and better plan for your life, which you might not have seen. Friends, as the band comes back to, uh, to lead us in our final song, we live in a world, in an anxious, our, the world we live in is an anxious place. Because people are, are striving to fulfil their destinies. They're desperate to find out, to work out where they're going. And so the world we live in is not less anxious. It's not getting less anxious with, with the more that we think we know. And so what do our neighbours need for us? You see, this is not just about finding your destiny. It's about you being a person who is fulfilling and glorifying God as well. And God needs you to rely on Him for that. And so what your neighbours need, what they need from all of us, is a non-anxious presence in the midst of the storms of life. And we can only do that when we commit ourselves to the Lord, when we lean on God for our destiny. And as we sing the final song, which is called Trust in the Lord, I want, to let, I want to ask you to let these words wash over you. I want you to let these words become your prayer to the Lord today. Trust in God, my Saviour, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. Do you believe that? Tell the Lord you believe that. Ask the Lord to help you believe that. Perfect submission. All is at rest. I know the author of tomorrow has ordered my steps. See, God has led you here this morning. I believe that. So this is my story. This is my song. You see, God's writing that in your life. I'm praising my risen King and Saviour all the day long. This is the confidence that God wants to give you this morning. He's at work in your life. You need to trust Him for that. And then ask God to help you to commit everything you do to Him and ask Him to help you trust Him as He writes your story and your song for His glory and for His purposes and for your flourishing. I want to encourage you to pray that as, you, as, we, as we sing this song. Thanks, Nicole.